And Lord, even thinking back on that day that you took us unto yourself, just as we were. But Father, you do not desire to leave us as we were, but to continue to mature us and continue to grow us. And so, Father, for that purpose, you've given us your word. And so, Father, as we get into your word today, we just pray, God, that your perfect will will be continually played out in our lives. So we just submit ourselves to you, that you'd be glorified. And, Father, that we would be enabled for every good work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Happy Independence Day! Well, close enough, we're not going to see anybody. <laughs> what? what day? Independence Day. Oh, happy Independence Day. Oh, you said appendix. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm thinking, what? Fourth of July. Good morning. We are going to have a little bit of a topical twist today. I'm going to give a study that is based upon the birthday of our nation that we'll be celebrating in, um, uh, on Thursday. Uh, Penny's very upset that we're doing this, that I said to uh, tell everybody Happy Independence Day because it's still June, but I think you all get over it. <laughs> Go ahead and turn in your Bible to Micah, or Micah on the Hebrew, Micah chapter 4, and again, if you arrived here today without a Bible, we'd like for you to follow along, and there should be one in front of you underneath the seat, but if there isn't, raise your hand and the ushers will bring one to you. Does anybody need a Bible? Everybody's good? Okay, but before we get into the Word, first, we have a word from management. And management's not happy. You guys are going to be in trouble here. Hello. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there I am. Anyway, I'm not management. Um, I come with two invitations, but before I invite you to this, I just wondered, ladies, do you realize that when you were born again, you got spiritual gifts? Raise your hand if you know this. Raise your, keep your hand up if you know what your spiritual gifts are. So um, a lot of you don't. And that's what this summer Bible study is going to be about with the women. It's a six weeks course. There's no homework. We're going to work it out together. Several of you um, moms have asked me if you could bring your little older daughters um, with you. Yes, what a great way to disciple them and teach them how to get into the Word. And we're going to, it's very conversational. We're going to figure out what your spiritual gifts are, or at least try to. And, and what does that look like in the church? How do you exercise your spiritual gifts? Because maybe you haven't ever been in ministry because you don't feel like you fit in or you've tried a few and maybe you're not using your spiritual gifts. And so once you've discovered them, you'll, you'll know where you should be serving. So um, it's going to start on the 23rd of July. That's a week after um, BBS, is, or, you know, the, the following week from BBS. Didn't want to roll over BBS. And um, you can sign up at the information. The book is $10. And uh, you can come on Tuesday mornings at 9 or Tuesday evenings at 7. So I hope you'll come and enjoy that. Also, um, I know Sean said this, but um, our son has just graduated from Bible college, and he's doing the Gospel of Matthew on, on Sunday nights. And so tonight, because I'm his mother and I want to support him, I'm making terry taco meat and making nachos out of it. And so I have made um, homemade refried beans and shredded beef and it's going to be really good there's just a donation if you want for three dollars or two servings for five so that i can keep doing it for a while anyway i hope you'll join us thank you not management <laughs> you should see her at home <laughs> never made uh, nachos for any of my studies No, she has. Um, just a couple of things before we get started in our study. First of all, my wife and I yesterday went up to um, Beverly Hills for shopping. That's where we get all of our clothes. No, we don't. <laughs> but that's where Jim is. That's Cedar sinai Jim Simmons had a heart transplant about a month ago, and 
Um, I've been kind of giving you guys reports, and lately it's just but when I've heard, because we were out of town, um, but we did go up and see him yesterday, and I had my first conversation with him. He's very coherent. Yeah, it's very good. God has been very gracious to him. He was, uh, D said he can't remember much past a week ago as far as the process from his heart transplant, but he was telling me stories of the old days and all of these things. It, it, it has not affected his brain. He's very tired. He's very weak, so continue to pray along those lines. We've been praying for his kidneys to kick in, and his kidneys have kicked in. They're nowhere near full capacity, but things are starting to become more and more operational. And so the doctor, the doctor came by while we were there, and the doctor's very excited about how things are going. He said it's a little bit slower, but Jim's, you know, 69 years old, so I think that probably has something to do with it as well. But nonetheless, God has heard our prayers, and God is doing a work, and it's just a blessing to see. It's just a miracle that they can open up your chest and pop the heart out and put a new one in. And, you know, they took them three hours to do the surgery. That just amazes me. Um, I'm thinking I could probably earn some money on the side doing this stuff if that's all it takes. Um, Another thing, my wife was reading something, James Dobson. Now, we've heard about the refugees that have come in, and they're in the detention center down at the border, and all of that's involved in ideology and political point of view and all of these things. And personally, I do not believe that we should open the borders. I do not believe that we should just allow people to come in. I don't believe that we should be providing insurance for people that are not citizens of this country because we have a lot of people who are that are in need. We need to take care of our own first. But there is a crisis there, and sometimes the compassion of Christ needs to reach past uh, political point of view or ideology. And what Dobson said, one of the biggest things that he notices, now there's a flu epidemic that is going on, that mass of humanity, but he's noticed that none of these babies have diapers or, or wipes. And, and you can imagine how that must be. And um, he, he's, he's basically saying that we can't just give it to the the government because the government has their budgets and they work through that and they just won't take it and it just won't get done that way. So what's happening, a lot of these guards are buying diapers themselves and buying toys themselves and whatnot and giving it to them, but that's going to be very limited. It's, you know, based upon what they're able to provide. So my wife used to work with a woman whose husband uh, does that as part of the, what is it, the border guard? I can't remember what they're, yeah, anyway. When everybody says something and it's off a little bit, it just sounds like, ah, but anyway, that. Um, So anyway, we were going to get him some diapers and wipes, and so we're going to have a diaper and wipe drive, if you will. And so, I mean, again, this is the love of Christ reaching past. They shouldn't have come across the border, but the fact of the matter that they're here, and I really believe they need to go back, but still, we have an opportunity to minister to them the love of Christ, at least fulfilling this need. So pray about that and what the Lord would have for you in that particular matter. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. We're in Micah chapter 4. I'll start reading at verse 1, and we'll go to verse 8. I've done a similar study to this about, I don't remember if it was like five or eight years ago, but I think we live in a time when an update is necessary, especially as we come upon our Independence Day, just a few things to be reminded of, and even some very serious things that we need to know of. Now, the context here is the millennial rule reign, so it's perfection. We're never going to live in perfection, but we need to understand the things that the Lord has for us, and we always need to reach forward to that higher calling in Christ Jesus. Verse 1, Now it shall come to pass in latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not be lifted. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. 
but everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the people walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of our God, the Lord our God, forever and ever. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame, I will gather the outcasts, and those whom I have afflicted, I will make the lame a remnant and the outcasts a strong nation, so the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on, even forever. And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. Lord, we so look forward to that time, but Lord, even as we see that time of perfection, we're able to draw concepts of it today and that which we are to strive for today and even be receptive of it as members of your church. And so, Father, as we are your people, there's elements here that we're able to glean from, elements that would make us strong for our purposes, the purposes that you have for us, and also that would strengthen this nation that has so gone in a bad direction. And so, Father, I pray that you would just bless our study, that you would make your presence known, and that you would prepare us once again for every good work we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I want to start our study off with a couple of dictionary definitions. Since we call this coming Thursday, the 4th of July, Independence Day, we'll define that first. Independence, a state in which a person does not rely on others for sustenance, security, or the ability to support oneself, but also dependent, subject to the power of, at the disposal of, not able to exist or sustain itself without the will or power of, thus we are dependent on God and his providence. And really it's an element of interdependency. Not that God is dependent upon us, but God has chosen to use us to be his representative to this world. And so God uses his people, and as we are used by the Lord, we're dependent upon him. That's what my wife was talking about in your spiritual gifting. Your spiritual gifting is how you fulfill God's will in your life. If you're not spiritually gifted, then you're not going to fulfill God's will in your life. If you do not know what that gift is, you're not going to be able to fulfill God's will through your life. It's as we recognize these things and we flourish in these things that we see how God's will has been achieved in the establishment of this nation, but even deeper than that in the church and the freedoms that the church has within this country as well. So God's will for a new nation, independence from foreign rule that sought to limit our religious freedom. And also, though, a dependence upon him for all we do, all we are, and all that we are to be. Today, today, we're having to go back and almost fight that same battle again. There's been restrictions. Even now, as I speak, there's been restrictions that are being placed upon the church. First, I want to read you the First Amendment to your Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. And so what they're saying is, Congress shall keep their nose out of the church. But in the 1950s, the Supreme Court said, well, what that really means is, because see, that wasn't real plain the way it was written, apparently. But what they're saying is, is that religion needs to keep its nose out of politics. Well, that's impossible whoever is involved in politics, their beliefs are going to have an influence. So that's just completely impossible. But as far as what our founding fathers, because England sought to exercise control, they did in England and they were attempting to do so here. And so they said, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Well, our state, I believe it was this past week, passed ACR 99. ACR 99 is... It's connected with the gay community and all that's going on there, but the, the, the biggest issue is, is that they're going to tell us, and I mean us pastors, but also you, what we are able to preach from the pulpit. They are telling us that we cannot preach that homosexuality is a sin. And what they're doing is they're telling us that we can no longer preach from the Bible. 
Now, there's an issue here because when we incorporated, we, our articles of incorporation say that we are, the reason that we exist is for the purpose of preaching the Word of God. That says that in our articles of incorporation that are on file with the state. And so there, there's a conflict there. But really what should cause distress in your life, and it needs to, first of all, drive us to our knees, then secondly, drive us to our feet, is that the government is imposing these things that are unconstitutional. And they're trying to validate it in so many different ways, but I just look how far this slipper or this slide down this slippery slope has been picking up speed. We heard of these things that they are coming, they are now at the beginning, they are now starting to happen. Now, as far as Calvary Chapel, Ontario, we're not going to veer from the Word of God. We may lose our tax-exempt status at some point, but our dependency has always been upon God and not the, not the government. It, it may boil down to my wife going to jail or something, but oh well. <laughs> You know, I probably shouldn't joke about that, but it may involve somebody going to jail. But that's okay, because again, God is greater than that. And when was the church at its strongest? The church was at its strongest when people were going to jail for preaching the gospel. And especially if we're in end times now, don't we want a powerful movement of the Spirit? Have you ever prayed for that? Have you ever prayed for the Word to God to go out powerfully? Well, maybe that's what's necessary for that to happen. And so we, those people who count such things has said that the gay community is a, is a vast minority, maybe even close to 1% of the population of this country. But what is it? They're vocal. They're standing up and they're making their will and they're even imposing their will upon this nation. What happens if the church would do that? True church, two born-again believers in this nation. I know we're in the majority. What if we would stand up and do that? Think of the change that would come about because of that. And this is a perfect time to think about these things and consider these things. But don't think about these things and consider these things for somebody else. You need to think about these things and consider these things for yourself. Are you willing to stand up? Are you willing to pay the price? There's been good men and women who have stood up for the gospel's sake and gave their lives for the purpose of God's will. Are you willing to do that to a God who has given so much to you? Well, way back, over 200, some 200, and I believe 243 years ago, America separated from Great Britain. Fifty-six men affixed their names to that Declaration of Independence, most of them lost their lives. The rest, a lot of them, well, they lost their finances, they lost their homes, and some of them lost their families as well. And so why would they do that? Well, the answer that is given in schools today and is very common is because taxation without representation. They were incensed because of taxation without representation. And that was a part of it, but in reality, taxation without representation was only one of 27 grievances. And matter of fact, it was listed as number 17 in importance. And so, well, what were the rest? Well, I'm not going to go through all what the rest were, but just keep in mind, President Woodrow Wilson said, A nation which does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today, nor what it is trying to do. We are trying to do a futile thing if we do not know where we have come from or what we have been about. What changed history? And taxation without representation came to the forefront about in the 1920s. Well, what brought that about? Well, because we became a nation from all men are created equal to all men desire to make a profit. It, it was all about that. That's where our focus has come about today. Money drives this nation, and money drives so much. We'll keep the church in line because we'll take your tax-exempt status if you get out of line. We're going to impose these desires, and we're going we're to call your gospel, at least portions of your gospel, we're going to define that as hate speech. And in their minds, we take hate speech out of freedom, uh, 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 freedom of expressing yourself, freedom of speech, and we'll condemn that, and we'll use that as the key to get in and have influence in the church. And if you get influence in the church, you get influence in people's lives. You get influence in enough people's lives, then you can rule the world. 
And that's exactly what the devil has been doing for the past 6,000 plus years. He's been making his inroads. He's been perverting the word of God. He's been making inroads into individual lives. And he has been, he's been perverting great numbers of people that way. And so when we vote, when we vote in that election booth, and, and I, I understand morally there, there's few people that, that are reflecting of the scriptures anymore, but at least from your heart as you're voting, where is your heart? Is it according to the one who is going to make your life more comfortable, the, the candidate? Is it the one who you're going to be financially better off? Or is it going to be the one that best reflects the things that you believe in? And again, I understand, again, as I said, it's getting few. There's few and far between. But nonetheless, as much as it depends upon us, Lord, what is your will concerning whatever election it might be? Because as we see these things that are going on across the landscape of our country, why is it? And I don't believe that it's just because blaming this liberal, not liberal, and so on and so forth. I believe the biggest culprit is the church that has not stood up and voted according to the word of God, but according to the will of their bank account or whatever it might be. And I'm not saying you did this or you did this or whatever. I'm just saying these are things that we've got to consider because if we want change to come about in this nation, we, the church, needs to stand up and we need to represent Christ as we go into that voting booth, as we make the decisions that we make, as we vote for propositions and we vote for laws and so on and so forth. So what is the desired integration of religion, a nation, and freedom? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at here today in Micah chapter 4. What we have contained in the verses that I just read are five freedoms, five freedoms that we have in Christ both nationally and personally designed by God for both independence and dependence. In January 6, 1941, Franklin Delano Roosevelt gave a speech in which he said there are four freedoms that Americans, all people, should expect. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Well, what we have here in Micah are five, five freedoms that we have through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, once again, as I said earlier, what this, the context of chapter 4 is the millennial age, and I'm not going to get into all the details. That's a future time when Christ is going to reign and we are going to rule and reign with him, and it's going to be a time that we're close to paradise. Not quite there, but we're very close to paradise. But again, I see those elements. I can take those elements out of that time, and I can put them into my day, and I can receive of these things, and I can have a contentment in my life as I'm doing these things, as I'm obedient to the Lord, but also receptive of the Lord and what the Lord has for me. And so the very first freedom that you have through Jesus Christ is freedom from ignorance. Now, it's not a bad thing to be ignorant. We've kind of made that as kind of a put down. You are ignorant. It's not a bad thing to be ignorant. It's a bad thing to remain ignorant. It's a bad thing, church, to hide your head in the sand as we have these people in our state capital. And by the way, that the, what I was talking about as far as the restrictions on church. That's just happening in California. I don't know if it's happening in other states, but this is something happening in California, but make no mistake about it, it will go nationwide. Whatever starts in California spreads throughout the rest of the country. But as far as ignorance, I need to be well informed. Matter of fact, I've kind of gotten away from it, but somebody in our church recently gave me a subscription, or the church, it's delivered here, subscription to the Daily Bulletin. And as I look in the Daily Bulletin, the Daily Bulletin, in case you don't know, is a newspaper. And if you don't know what a newspaper is, you can Google it. That's the news that used to be delivered to your doorstep. But it's national news, state news, and local news. And so it's good for that. I and mean, it may have a liberal slant to it. I don't really know. I don't look at it for that reason. But just to have an understanding of what's going on in the world. What's going on in our own city. Do you really know what's going on in our own city? It's interesting to go. I do the invocations at the city council meetings and to see the things that are going on there and to hear about the things and the plans that they're making for the future. 
If I ask, you know, does anybody, and I'm not asking this, I don't want you to raise your hand, but do you know who your city council members are? I wonder how many people would be able to name all of our city council members. They're the ones representing you. They're the ones making the choices and the decisions within our city. We have a responsibility there. And again, what are the decisions that, that they are making? Do, do we really even know? And so we need to get back to some of the basics so we stay informed. I encourage you. And I'm only getting $10 a copy of paper that are sold, but no. I encourage, I don't get anything. No. I shouldn't, my wife says, don't joke about stuff like that. They're going to believe you. Get into the local news. Understand the things that are going on. Make sure that your representatives are truly representing you because there's a lot out there that truly aren't. Freedom from ignorance, again, verses 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, let, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The idea here is this is the seeking out of God's word, having a passion to understand what God's desire is. But not just to seek it out, also take the next step and have an understanding. You know, reading the Bible and just reading through the Bible, that's a good thing, but if you don't have a clue what you're reading, what good does it do? I was just talking to somebody, um, it was Thursday night, and they were talk we were talking about books that we read, and I was trying to explain a book to her that I read, but I was also kind of taking parts of another book that I didn't really remember I was doing and kind of adding it all together and thinking, well, that's not right. And I finally just said, I wish I had better comprehension. I wish I could just read a book and remember everything. Matter of fact, when I'm reading, especially fiction, one of the best things is when they have the list of characters in the front of the page, because, you know, they tell you who they are, because as you're reading, you're thinking, now, okay, now, who was that guy? Because I can't even remember my own grandchildren's names, let alone the characters in the book sometimes. And, and, and I would just wish that I would have greater understanding, even in the Word of God. Lord, that's one of my prayers. Give me a greater understanding of your word that would be able to apply it to my life. I would be able to apply it to the church and the things that you have. And so seeking God's word, understanding of God's word, and you're going to be ignorant of God's word too unless you do God's word. At some point, you have to put it into practice. You have to live the life that you've been commanded to live. And all three go hand in hand. Again, look at verse 2. Many nations shall come and say, come and let us go. They're seeking after God. They're seeking after God's word. Because where are they going? They're going up to, really, the temple in Jerusalem. Go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach. Lord, teach me. Give me understanding. Holy Spirit, come upon me as I sit in the sanctuary that I would understand what you have for me, even though I'm in a group of people, that you would personalize this message to my life. Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. He will teach us his ways. And then thirdly, and we shall walk in his paths or we shall do God's word. To walk in God's word is to walk in obedience, is to do these things. And again, that's some of the greatest damage that we have done to this nation. That which is called the church and we've made our celebrity, either worship leader or pastors or whatever, and we prop them up and they've gotten national prominence and all of a sudden they've stumbled and they've fallen. The things that they preached, and maybe even seemingly preached well, but they weren't doing them. They were playing the hypocrite. And the world just laughs and says, yes, there goes another one of them. And they're even wondering, why do they have tax-exempt status? Because you got these pastors with million-dollar houses and are making these, the, the, these wages, I shouldn't call them wages, but getting these checks that are astronomical and living these lifestyles that are way beyond their congregation. And it's just, a, it's just a disgrace. And what it does is it undermines the great work that God desires to do. So many ways out there, so many philosophies out there, so many views and ideas out there, but there is only one. It's only the gospel that will alter the soul and stir the spirit. And it's that which we have available to ourselves to preach it, to live it, and to teach it. 
that we would gain understanding of these things and we would pass that understanding on to the future generations. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way of death. It was neat, just before we went on our vacation, it was the Friday before we went out to Yucca Valley. I had taught at the Bible college that's out there at the beginning, when was it, the end of last year. Well, that class that I helped teach, they were graduating and they want all the teachers there to stand on the stage and to congratulate them as they walked by. And I did, and it just reminded me. I mean, these kids, for the most part, kids, they're, they're about 24, is about the oldest, some of, most of them were. There was a couple older, maybe a few younger. But I was looking at them and thinking, man, just I remember teaching them and I remember the desire that they had for God's word. And you hear so many bad things about the millennials, but they're of that generation. And I see there are still those who have not bowed their knees to Baal. There are still those who are seeking after God. I mentioned her before, but there was this one lady because they require them to have a... uh, Um, a Bible like a journal and the idea is as you're sitting in class you make notes and you have that for the rest of your life I think I might have mentioned this last week but there was the one that was sitting there and she showed actually she showed me towards the end of class and it was completely full and I'm thinking that's what we are to be doing we are to be pouring ourselves into this generation because this generation is hungry and what happens if you don't get the food that you desire you'll go eat something else and, but we have these people that are hungry and they're looking to have their, their questions and their desires and, and their ignorance. They're, wish, they're wishing to have that satisfied and we have that which satisfies them. But what happens when we don't give it out? They're going to go somewhere else. They're going to find somewhere else for their nourishment. But unfortunately, those are all empty calories that can do nothing for them. We have that which satisfies and we need to be giving that out. Micah, Micah is a man who understands the totality of God and how God fulfills our lives. And we need to see how this progression needs to reign in our lives today, that we need to be people seeking. We need to immerse ourselves in the body of Christ. Bible study, as my wife was talking about for the ladies this summer, even, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you're here, but the various services that we have. We'll have a service tonight. We've got one Thursday night. We men, we have a men's study Wednesday morning that we meet here at, at 6.30. We have prayer before service on Sunday, men, and there's only usually two or three of us that are sitting in there. We meet over in the 4th, 5th, and 6th grade room at 9 o'clock. We need to get serious about these things and immerse ourselves in these things. Getting ourselves to church, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the Bible says as is the manner of some Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 but be serious about what God has called us to do seeking out God God's impressed upon my heart that I think still praying about this but I'm sure I'm going to do it our next small group is going to be all about discipleship who are we going to disciple each other we're going to go back to the elementary things of our faith where does the Bible say that Jesus Christ is God where does the Bible say you know, the Trinity, and so and, and all of these various elements. We need to get strong. We need to get back to the basics, and back to the basics, not because you need to be born again again, but you need to be able to have these things hidden in your heart that you would be able to give them freely when you have the opportunity. Because again, as the world gets more and more contrary to God, those who are of God need to be proactive in the things of the Lord. We need to surrender to the Spirit and, again, have a great understanding. This is the coming to the realization that although it's a man who stands behind a pulpit, it's the Spirit that teaches us. The teaching comes from God. So, again, I don't know the vast majority of you, at least the details of your lives, so I can't make this message any more personal than, well, than I can. And have you ever left a study where you thought, man, he was talking just to me? Well, it wasn't me. It was the Spirit of God that was talking directly to you. It's God who personalizes this. You need to internalize this. In 1 John 2, verse 27, it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And what John, we'll see this when we get there, what John is saying, it's not the person's 
speaking God's word, who is doing the actual teaching, this anointing, this anointing is the spirit working through that person and into your life. Many times I'd be praying, even before service, spirit, give me the ability to teach, but I also pray that you would give the people the ability to hear and the ability to do. And I also include myself in that as well. Live his life, walk in his way, and then copy Christ. In Ephesians 4, 1, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. My wife, if you're on the prayer chain, my wife usually posts on Sunday. Sometimes it doesn't get out until Monday, but prayers for our grands, our grandchildren. It also works for prayer for your children, or if you have some kind of kid that you're even kind of fond of a little bit, pray for them. And this week, (laughs) this week, you know, that pain in the neck that lives down the street, pray for him that God would change his life. Um, this week is honesty. Just praying, because we live in a time when people are, are so selfish and honesty, they're not in it for honesty, they're in it for what they're able to get. And so these elements of our faith, lift them up in prayer. Seek God out, that we would live Christ-like lives. Not just us, but again, as much as depends upon us, those whom we have influence over. The second freedom is freedom from war. Verse 3, he shall judge between many peoples and rebuke the strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. I've seen the devastation, and some of you have as well. And again, personally, how have I experienced it? I've experienced it through a son-in-law that three times, one time went off to Iraq and two times went off to Afghanistan. He was part of those who spearheaded the attack against Iraq. And he even got the call one day that he was wounded, and he received a a purple heart for that. It's a hard thing. And, and, and then to look at my daughter, and two of my daughters have experienced this, look at my daughter with this brand new baby as her husband goes off to war, not understanding that, well, I mean, we need to keep this in mind right now. There could be Americans right now whose lives are being required of them because of battle that is going on at this moment. We need to be mindful of that and the difficulty and the price that families pay. I think it was last week, might have been the week before, but I'm pretty sure it was last week, two Americans were killed in action. And we sit here, you know, just, just so comfortable in our air-conditioned little room here, and most of us will be getting in a fairly nice car and driving off, getting something to eat and all that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things, but we've got to be reminded, especially this time of the year, that freedom, freedom's not free. That's the dynamic of what freedom is. Somebody's paid the price. As far as Jesus Christ upon the cross, he paid the price. Salvation, salvation cost a terrible price, but it was freely given. And it's the same thing as far as our freedoms that we have here in this country. People paid a terrible price. We just celebrated, uh, or remembered, I guess I should say, D-Day and the the amazing things that people did back then. Well, again, I've seen that a a little bit. We haven't had a family member that has died in war, but I have seen the emptiness and the fear of, of, uh, of a family as the father has gone off and there's mothers now who go off as well and so we need to be mindful of these things and we need to see that war war obviously is an is a result of the sinful nature of, of a mankind you want to alter the course of nations you want to see wars taken off the map preach the gospel it's the only way that it's going to happen it's the only way that peace is going to come about In Ephesians chapter 4, I just read the first verse. It says, I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, making it your priority, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As I live a Christ-life-like, I project peace because I am content in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not argumentative. I'm not attacking. I'm standing strong in the word of God, but I'm doing so as Jesus told us to do so. I'm being gentle as a dove, although I am being wise as a serpent. Man so wants peace today, and how does he achieve it? He achieves it by going to war. Makes no sense whatsoever. That's not the ways of the Lord. 
But notice Christianity, it breaks down battle lines and it breaks down so many barriers. A lot of what we teach, the world is trying to turn it into hate speech. But the things that the world wants to achieve, it can only come through Jesus Christ and the preaching of the word. Look at Galatians, you don't have to turn there, but in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says there is neither Jew nor Greek. What has the Bible done? What has the Lord done? He's broken the barriers between races. Now we, people in general, because of our pride, because of wanting to build ourselves up, we usually do so on the back of somebody else. And so I'll look at some difference in my life and some difference in your life, and I'll exalt myself because of that. And what is one of the greatest outward expressions of differences is the color of our skin. And so we'll take the color of our skin and we'll try to exalt ourselves or, or to put somebody else down because of it. Well, the Bible tells me there's neither Jew nor Greek. God has broken down the race barriers. Then he goes on to say there is neither slave nor free. If it's not the outward expression of the color of my skin, it'll be the, the amount of money I have in my bank account. And we'll consider that those who have a lot of money, or I mean, even false doctrines have arisen out of this, that they're tremendously blessed, or we'll look at them and be impressed with the lifestyles of the rich and famous. I think you have to be old to know what that is even now. But still, it was a TV show that was on that you'd spend a half hour gawking at these rich people who had miserable lives, but a lot of stuff. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. We have the battle of the sexes going on that ought not to be. People ought to assume their God-ordained roles because God, God did ne never desired that male and female would bump heads but would be unified and fulfill his purpose together. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, that there would be no divisions according to religion either that we would be unified in Jesus Christ. But the world is so divided, and they're divided along the lines of race, class, sexual orientation, or confusion in that too, and religion. And these things will never get fixed by mankind. Man does not have the ability nor the power to do so. They're only done so through a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Third freedom is freedom from want. Verse 4. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken this. It was the vision of the Communist Party that contained, was contained in this motto, to each according to his need, from each according to his ability. And the idea is, is that everybody would be completely equal. Well, man in his sinful nature could never do that. Communists, socialists will never, ever work because we live in a, a time, well, all of mankind has always lived in a time that people are going to excel in what they're able to do and the abilities that they have and these things. And again, if we're able to excel at the expense of somebody else, we'll do so. Communism it, the, the basic premise of it, it sounded so good, but it fell apart. Why? Because communism also preached separation from God, atheism, and, and they took God out of the equation. Now, we were completely different in this nation, and at the beginning of our nation, we at least brought God into the equation. And it's not that our ideology was better than theirs or we're better equipped or anything like that. It's that we have God. And it's the blessings of God that changes a nation. It's the blessings of God that keeps a people. And it's the blessings of God that is going to spur an economy and, as we just said, is going to keep us from war and all of these things. All of these things that this country so desperately wants, they're available, but they're available in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the only way that these blessings are going to come about. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 4, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And it says, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He's going to change your priorities, and the desires of your heart will no longer be for yourself, but the desires of your heart will be according to the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The fourth freedom is freedom from fear. Verse 5, For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Freedom from fear. 
we are told that the devil walks about like a roaring lion. Why does he walk about like a roaring lion? Because his teeth were removed on Mount Calvary. He still makes a lot of noise and that that roar of his is loud and it is frightening. But when you understand that he has been rendered incapacitated by the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have contentment. Even as he roars, let him roar. Why does the world's rage and plot a vain thing? That's because what they do, they're contrary to God. But what does God do? He laughs. He holds them in derision. And it's the same thing we need to understand. God has overcame. He's overcame the the worst thing in our lives, sin. He's overcame that which we couldn't overcome ourselves, but he's overcame anything else that is detrimental to our walk and our relationship with him, but also the details of this life, but even so much more details of eternal life as well. Freedom from fear, we ought not to have fear. Who is it that we are fearful of? God has overcome all. And God, God is going to provide for my needs. God is going to provide for my concerns. I go to visit Jim in that hospital, and I look at the miracle that God did. This man should have been fearful. He was probably, you know, we were talking about it yesterday with him. He was probably going to die. He was going to die. His heart was that bad. It's probably even worse than what you think it might have been. But God he gave him new life according to his, extended life, I guess I should say, according to his will and according to his desire. It had to be a fearful thing to go into surgery, but he was going into the hands of the Lord. Wherever it is, even today, he's still in God's hands, and it's an amazing thing. And if our life is required of us, we, we then go into the presence of Jesus Christ. We look into the eyes of the Lord who, who loves us and gave his life for us. And it's an amazing thing when you think about it. Who shall we fear? Who shall we fear? And unfortunately, it's just the devil, that roar, he can get so loud and fear comes in. And what does fear do? Fear, it paralyzes us and it stops us. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. The fifth freedom, well, we've seen freedom from ignorance, freedom from war, freedom from want, freedom from fear, and now freedom from physical affliction. Verses 6 through 7. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame. I will gather the outcasts and those whom I have afflicted. I will make the lame a remnant and the outcasts a strong nation. So the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on, even forever. Look forward to that time when we have that spiritual body. There's going to be pain and suffering for a, a moment. We live in this life, and we live lives that are reflected by the sinful natures of mankind. There's no doubt about it. But there's going to come that time that the blind, the blind are going to see. And just think, what are the blind, those people who are blind, what are they going to see for the very first time? Think of somebody who has been born from the womb blind. That's kind of an amazing thing. You say blue, they don't know what blue is. You say the skies or the oceans, they don't have a clue what that means. But those people, when they come into the presence of God, the first thing that they're going to see is the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will render all of that affliction as if it was nothing. And they're going to come into heaven and they're going to be made brand new. The lame person who walks for the first time, it's going to be into the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the deaf, first thing they're going to hear is well done. Those who are sick, they're going to have that new body and they're going to understand what perfect health is in the sight of God because there's no more sin and it's not going to have its effect upon them anymore. And, and just as they are going to be filled to overflowing, our experience with Christ isn't reduced. It's all of the same magnitude because God loves us all the same. And so we have this freedom from physical affliction. We're going to suffer for periods of time here, but this This is just a vapor. This life here on earth is a vapor and it pales in comparison to eternity in Christ Jesus. Oh, how our hearts yearn within us. So today and the things we see going on in our nation today, what word would God have for the United States of America on its 243rd birthday that occurs this Thursday? I believe it's Proverbs 14.34, Righteousness exalts a nation, 
but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation as we sought after the righteousness of God. Now, it's not that all of our founding fathers were all born-again believers. They weren't. But they understood the value of biblical morals. They understood as we sought after the righteousness of Christ that Christ would bless a nation, and our nation was blessed. But what direction in the sight of God is our nation headed today? It's not headed in a good direction whatsoever. And I don't know what God has planned. Maybe it's going to get worse and worse and worse. The rapture is going to happen and then the end happens. I don't know. But as much as depends upon us, we need to see that revival comes about. And the only way, revival doesn't just come about. The only way change comes about is when God's people are properly motivated. When we take God's word, we live God's word, we speak God's word, and we see God's word flourish once more. There's an opportunity here to see God in ways that during our time we haven't seen God move. The great revivals, we can have another one. It's possible. Are we going to? Maybe not. But we need to conduct ourselves as if it's going to happen. The decision? Decision's yours. Father, once again, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word, Father, that meets us in these trying times. And Lord, I lift up the leaders of this nation I lift up the influence that the devil has on it. I pray for the media, Lord, that is just so contrary to you. And, and Lord, just so many elected officials that are very prideful and live their lives and make their decisions according to their own understanding. Father, I pray for the cleansing influence of your spirit once more. And I don't just pray, Father, there they are, send them. Here I am, send I. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us would have that attitude and the sphere of influence that you have given us. I pray, Father, that we would enter into the details, that God, for our kids' lives, we would preach your word and see, Lord, that your word is planted, that it's germinated and it's sprouts in their lives. I pray, Father, that you would once again change this land. This land is in a downward trajectory, and I pray once more that it would head upward. And so, Father, I know again the way that you achieve this is through us. May we embrace the responsibility. Father, you have given us great independence from the world, but Father, we have a solid dependence upon you, a necessary dependence upon you. I pray, Father, that we would embrace that, and I pray, Father, that we would move forward in the knowledge of these freedoms that you have given us, that, Lord, those who are ignorant would be ignorant no longer. Freedom from war. War has been a curse to a country, that our country would be back in a place of blessings. Freedom from want, that we would know and understand, God, that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, everything that we need will be added to us. Freedom from fear, Lord, that we would have a fear of you, but not be afraid of you. But, Father, we would be bold in our witness. And then freedom from sickness and affliction, God, that, Lord, we would not allow these things to hinder us, but use all things for your glory. And so, Father, we just lift ourselves to you and just pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit. Use us for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you all stand, please?